You're listening to What She Said with Candace Sampson, a podcast for Canadian women about Canadian women. What She Said is here to empower, educate, and entertain you. For the past six months, I've been sharing interviews with amazing female business owners that embody the best of entrepreneurial spirit. Together with RBC, What She Said is taking a deeper dive now in a five-part series that takes a close look at some of the struggles and triumphs women business owners have faced during the pandemic, so that others may learn and grow from the wisdom shared here. From the early days of the pandemic, one thing was crystal clear. Women and marginalized communities were being disproportionately affected. It was disheartening to see the loss of income, education, and advancement. But there was a bright spot because women did what women do best. They pulled together, they got loud, and they demanded change. Support and advocacy groups popped up. Feminism had fresh life pumped into it. And words like diversity, equity, and inclusion became part of our daily lexicon. Some women, like my two featured guests today, turned their advocacy into businesses. Alison Venditti from Moms at Work and Janelle Benjamin from All Things Equitable are leading the charge into our post-pandemic recovery and are joining me today to share their journeys and struggles. Joining me from RBC to share insights and advice are Aaron Kloss, VP of Commercial Banking, and Aaron Rennie Obishon, Manager of Business Markets. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the show. I am thrilled to have you here. This has been a monumental feat getting everybody in one place. You're all very busy women, so I really appreciate this. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, having everybody give a little bit of a introduction to themselves. So, Allison, we'll start with you from Moms at Work. If you could let everybody know how this came to be. Moms at Work wasn't supposed to happen. I had I was coaching and I do HR work for big companies and but the pandemic sort of pushed our little meetup group in a whole new direction. And so Moms at Work is now uh, over 10,000 women strong. And we have met with the Prime Minister. We have um, sit on the EI roundtable now. We have done all sorts of education, community, and advocacy work, all while caring for a 10, 8, and 3-year-old. So <laughs> that's where we are now. And they're all in school right now. So yay. So you did not expect that this would turn into a business, right? Like this was just, you started out, you wanted to really help people um, and help women and you did not expect that this was going to turn into a full-fledged, I mean, where you are, you are now a professional, you're the first actual professional, professionally organized group for women in Canada. Is that correct? For working mothers, yes. Yeah. So I had a business. I ran a business. It was a coaching business and business and HR and business was good. And then um Moms at Work was a small meetup. There was like 30 of us and we would get together and have coffee. And we did it because professional like women's groups weren't designed for mothers. So I was being asked to speak at 4.30 and I said, I can't do that. I got to pick up my kids. And I had someone say to me, well, can't somebody else do that? I was like, no, no, I do not have anybody else to do that. Thanks so much. And then I was like, I don't want to do this like this anymore. So we started with 30 of us. Then it grew to three. We were 300 for a long time. But when the pandemic hit, all our members stepped up. So we had like tax specialists, you know, typing in as the prime minister was releasing benefits. We had employment lawyers telling, you know, working with our members, you know, it was, it was wonderful to see and it's growing and 
we've done like over a hundred media interviews this year. It's just a bit, uh, bit bonkers. So uh, no, I was not expecting to do this. I was pretty good where I was before and now it has totally morphed into something else. Okay. Well, as us often happens for us, Janelle, uh, your story, I, I interviewed you on my radio show. Uh, your story came to me through a news article I had read, which I found fascinating and incredibly interesting on your journey. So if you could share your story with us right now and how All Things Equitable came to be. All Things Equitable is a management consulting firm uh, focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it came about uh, specifically through the pandemic um, when I was already laid off, had a job opportunity rescinded. That's the um, news article that you're talking about um, that was featured in the Globe and Mail. And then um, George Floyd happened and then Amy Cooper happened. <laughs> Amy Cooper was, uh, you know, the, the white woman uh, who was dog walking in Central Park and um, feigned an attack and tried to call the police on a black man. Um, and so I, I went nuts after that. And I thought enough of this, you know, you know, telling uh people of color, where they belong and where they don't belong. I should belong in the workplace and I haven't belonged there either. And so it was kind of all guns blazing, um, moving forward with a plan to work for myself um, and change workplaces. And so All Things Equitable is really kind of just born out of my frustrations with workplaces, but at the same time, lots and lots of experience helping organizations to make their workplaces better. So I have worked at the Ontario Human Rights Commission. I've broken barriers for people with disabilities. I've dealt with anti-racism and issues of inequity um, and systemic reviews of organizational practices for a while. Um, so I just kind of bundled all of that experience up with my lived experience to um, do something at this time to address in workplace inequities. So the pandemic obviously changed everything for both of you in terms of where your your path was going. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't I don't want to find silver linings because this has been hard for everybody, so hard. Um, but for you personally, have you had these really truly rewarding moments throughout the pandemic where you've seen the change you've actually affected for people? I'll start. Um I've seen it in organizations that have approached me for like a, a culture facilitation or like a culture change um, experience where I'm actually, you know, connecting with staff on a personal level, having focus group conversations, establishing trust with participants and um, really working on strategies to, to improve their workplaces. The organizations that are interested in like, you know, just the the quick trainings or the, the diversity and inclusion lens or what have you. I'm not seeing like that instant gratification um, because of course, you know, training is over and they go back to their workplaces and I don't actually know, except for the evaluation form, you know, how impactful it was um, or meaningful for their workplace. But I do have, you know, great reviews and recommendations and all of that kind of tells me, you know, that it's meaningful work. But for the most part, I do enjoy the, the personal work, the cultural facilitations where, um, I'm actually seeing um, toxic workplaces truly changed and transformed after working with me. Allison, what has your experience been? I, <laughs> I started from a place where I couldn't believe that I had to start an organization because things were so bad for working mothers. I battle with the frustration that we have two pay equity commissioners so that companies can pay women the same as men. And like that, those are paid 
units in the government that have to exist in order for those inequities to like even be dealt with, not even close to a race. Um, but for me, I was like, we've done lots of things for individuals. I am proud that we have, you know, sourced affordable legal counsel for people who don't qualify uh, because of so many reasons. I um, I get to see in my group people who are like I, that group members are hiring other group members, that they're giving people jobs, that they're helping people, you know, find it because we've had the same same thing that Janelle was talking about is like we've had lots of members whose job offers were rescinded or they were laid off when they were pregnant under the guise of COVID, which is, you know, it, it was really hard to stomach. But at the same time, I was like, I we we made um, sweatshirts with all the profits going to you know, Black Lives Matter and um, uh, uh, several other organizations. All our gear goes to charity. And someone screamed at me from across the street being like, Mom's at work. Mom's at work. And my husband was like, oh my gosh, like, what have you done? And I was like, well, you know, it's important that people can come together and share these struggles and share their successes. So for me, that's been the best thing is that I can actually see it in individuals. Do I see huge structural changes at this point? No. Um, but individually, we've, we've gone to like a lot of wins. Um, and that's important. That keeps me going. I have to tell you, Allison, you may not see it, but I do. Uh, and I've seen it in a couple of places where I've seen people talking about, you know, looking at job postings and the comments coming in fast and furious is, <laughs> where's the money? Show us the money. They want that pay transparency on that job posting. And I'm seeing that coming as a direct result because I know the women who are asking these questions are in your group. So I think that, that you are affecting big change that you may not see all the time. So I just wanted to share that with you. Oh, I you. would be remiss uh, to are, if I did not ask our two Aaron's from RBC joining us, uh, how their experience was during the pandemic? How did RBC support you um, in your experience working from home once the pandemic hit? Go ahead, Rennie. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, my circumstance may be a little bit different as I, uh, I was on a parental leave um, starting in June, uh, July, 2020. And so I was off for a majority of the pandemic and actually just returned to work in August of this year. And even though I wasn't physically doing uh, a role or responsibility within the organization, I was still kept up to date on what was happening. And at that time, I was leading a team. And so often I would, I would check in with them to see what they were doing. And, you know, the bank, um, uh, in my opinion, really stepped up to support individuals, whether that be a different work schedule um, to provide the like flexibility in your day. And, um, you know, when I came back, I thought as a new mom, first time mom, this is, this is going to be interesting um, working in the pandemic, being home, um, having a baby going into daycare and experiencing all sorts of different things. And the bank has been extremely supportive of, of anyone's, both their, their male and female uh, employees working from home. And maybe Klaus can just expand a little bit on that. Um. 
I am actually going to do the classic move of not answering the question. I'm going to answer a different question because this topic is uh, near and dear to my heart as well. And as I was preparing for today, I was thinking about my lived experience and why is it that I'm here? And other than being a privileged white woman uh, with, you know, the desire to raise a family while working, um, I, I just want to share today, you know, I think back to my earlier in my career when I was with a different organization and I really couldn't see myself in the leadership team and I, I wanted to advance my career. And I remember being in a meeting and it was, I was surrounded by men and there was one woman I was sitting next to. And, and I said, how did you get to be where you are? We had this great conversation. And she said, the real big problem here is all of these men have wives at home and I don't have a wife at home. I have a working husband. And so I got to do the soccer. I got to do the, you know, lunches and be a senior leader in this firm. And I just thought, wow, that's heavy. And I made the decision many years ago to join RBC because I could see more people that I wanted to be like in this place. And I, I feel so privileged to now be, hopefully, I guess, the next generation of working women who, God, it's not perfect. And yes, we are so privileged, as Aaron mentioned, to be supported by a wonderful organization that has really helped us navigate the pandemic. Um, but, you know, people like Aaron and I are probably in the positions we are because we have been encouraged and guided and supported to be vulnerable, be the moms we want to be, be the, the leaders we want to be um, and not be perfect. And I could go on and on, but I'll stop there because I'm sure, Candice, you want to take this conversation in another direction. And I also like to say that I'm joining Moms at Work after today and could be more excited to uh, learn more about the organization and all the wonderful work you two do. You're so inspiring. They are absolutely incredible. I agree with you. Um, and they've been inspiring me for the last year ever since I've had the opportunity to meet with them. Uh, I do want to move on to more of the business discussion because what's interesting to me about your businesses is that they're based in advocacy and, you know, helping people. And there's, there's a disconnect, I think, in our society that people think you shouldn't profit off of these things for some reason, or, you know, how, how dare you charge so much? You know, people have weird mindsets around stuff, right? They'll pay crazy amounts of money for junk on Amazon. But when it comes to, you know, having help, for some reason, we don't want to pay for that. Our society diminishes the value. How have you, and Allison, I know you're going to have thoughts on this. I know Janelle is too. How do you deal with that mindset from people? I'll start. I'll say that when, you know, setting up my my business, you know, you've got the chance to decide, is, is this going to be an incorporation, uh, sole proprietorship, or are you going to start up a non nonprofit? Um, I went for the for-profit corporation and because, you know, women need to make money, like why not? Um, but I found that by doing so, I've been met with so many barriers um, as a, you know, a black woman, a single woman, a mother of two, um, I don't qualify for grants, right? I'm of a certain age, right? Like if you're over 40 and a woman and you want to start a for-profit business, you can forget trying to find grants, you know, like no grants for being black, no grants for being female, no grants for being, uh, you know, 35 and under or whatever. And so there's literally no money. Um, so you're bootstrapping it. I bootstrapped um, myself through the pandemic on CERB to start this business up. And why not? Like, why, 
why should I not build wealth for my family when it's been taken from me? Generational wealth has been stripped by employers who didn't deem it worthy for me to be in their workplace. Um, and I, I need to make economic gains and advances and leave a legacy for my children just as anybody else would. So um, I'm sure Allison will have a whole lot more to say on this issue than I will, but I'll just leave it there and say that, you know, I, I'm proud of the fact that I am a management consultant in a for-profit business and I'm going to charge what I charge and um, I deserve it, period. I deserve it. Damn right you do. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> We're all applauding on this podcast. Nobody can, but that was fantastic. Thank you. Okay, Allison, jump in because I can see you biting your lip here. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I always say, I'm like, nothing bad happens when you pay women money. That's my line. Nothing bad happens when you pay women more money. They invested in themselves. Like, Nothing that Janelle just said there that she was like, I'm going to buy a yacht or fly into space on a rocket. Sorry, I just call it. But but I'm like, we are talking about doing better things for the world and for ourselves. And the notion. So I've had at least 100 people be like, Moms at Work should be a nonprofit. And I was like, I want you to think about why you're saying that to me. I want you to think about the reasoning behind why you are saying those words to me, because I'm offended. The fact that I should have a business that does things better than other businesses means that I shouldn't make money. I'm sorry, that is not okay with me. So it's it's created dialogue and conversations. But like Janelle said, I'm like, there is no money. And I was an accommodation expert at my workplace that could not then accommodate me after I became disabled. So like that stays true to me. I'm like, they could not, they paid me out as opposed to trying to work with me. This is a consulting firm, by the way. So I set out not to change the world, but to show myself as an example of what people could do. And I'm like, because a lot of times corporate doesn't work for people. I get that. That's fine. Um, and it didn't work for me, but I can set an example and say, I am not straight. I am not, I'm like, I am not able-bodied, but I am here and I am killing it. And I want to set that as an example for everybody else. And in the meantime, I also plan to leave something for my children and it sure as heck ain't going to be a non-for-profit. Ready to take control of your future? Realize your business idea with RBC through digital first solutions, advice, and services that go beyond banking. They can help you start and grow your business. You can get started with opening your business account online. RBC ideas happen here. Learn more at rbc.com slash beyond banking. Oh my God. I just have to chime in on that because the organization, you know, no name, no names, uh, I'm not going to name them, but the organization that rescinded my offer was in the accessibility industry. Like, what is it with these so-called inclusive employers that are just out there like wreaking havoc and causing harm? But, you know, to your point about just women who, you know, don't do anything bad with the money that they're given, I will say that I've already been reinvesting in communities supporting other women to uh, fund businesses as well. Um, and basically, they're all working on the world's to-do list and, and generating fantastic businesses that are helping society um, and advancing a lot of the, um, the initiatives under um, the United Nations SDG goals, right? So, Allison is absolutely right. Women supporting women is, is never wrong. And when you give us a for-profit entity, um, 
you know, we're going to turn around and reinvest in others that are doing this important work. It's a no-brainer. Allison, are you Allison, have you bootstrapped your business as well or were you able to access any grants or loans through this process um, at all? No. There's nothing. There is absolutely nothing. And like like it and it's it's horrific because like all these things have come out from the pandemic. It's a she session. Let us give you things like we're not a not-for-profit, so we don't don't qualify for funding from, you know, even foundations within organizations. Like I'm sure Janelle's looked at all the same thing. I'm like, I it's not like my network is small, but they're like, yeah, you don't fit the mold. I'm like, non-for-profits, I've worked for non-for-profits. They're the worst. And like they just dump money into like other like all sorts of things and have a board. I'm like, I can't move at the speed I need to and make the changes I need to and be as flexible as I need to um, with all those things hanging over me. And I, like, I think it's unfair to cap the access again. I'm like, there's all these restrictions on where money goes and how it's directed and how it's, and I was like, so, but you know, we're, we're okay. Right. Like, but we've had, I feel bad that we have to then go to our members because I was like, it took me almost 100 hours to set up that thing with the prime minister, right? Coordinating people, coordinating schedules, setting up the time, working with his people, making sure whatever, getting an event person. I'm like, that's all unpaid. So we can make these changes. But like, I didn't used to make like no money. I came from like a six figure job. And now I'm like, being asked to do so much stuff for free, so much things, everything's for free. People are always like, can I pick your brain? I'm sure Janelle gets this too. Can I ask you a question about whatever? I'm like, no, this is my job. Um, So, but in the nicest way possible, because that's like what's expected from women. Um, But I find it's been very frustrating and to try and get validation um, on ideas. And I don't know how much time Janelle's been looking at these grants, but I feel like we could have just saved each other a ton of time and energy, but it's, it's not a small amount and it's been so disappointing. So disappointing. Yeah. Every time somebody sends me a, you know, a pitch competition or, you know, I'm just like, okay, another time suck that, you know, I'm not going to win (laughs) and, you know, no monies will be given to me. Um, I no longer I'm interested in in entering all of these pitches. I'm no longer looking for grants. Every accelerator that comes up or, you know, this program or fund drops for Black entrepreneurs or whatever, when I look at the criteria, again, it's for a nonprofit. Like, I'm not eligible. I'm not wasting my time anymore. And I'm actually now profitable. So I don't, I no longer need any of that. Um, so I'm totally with you, Allison. It's just, we, we deserve it. Oh, and on the pick my brain issue, I actually have a link on my website at www.allthingsequitable.ca that has, has a pick my brain button that takes them to my pick my brain site where they have to pay me for my time. So I, like I set that boundary for myself. You want to pick my brain? Here's the link. Here it is. Go. It's, you know, whatever my time is for, for a 30 minute coffee chat. I'm paying for coffee, pay me for my coffee chats because my brain has value. I paid for my education. I paid for a law degree and um, yeah, I had to pay back student loans. So yeah, pay me for my time. Pay me for my time. Okay. I think we could just like shut this down now because we have gleaned enough knowledge for every woman to go with this away from this and go, wow, that was astounding. But I'm not going to stop there because you guys have come this far in your journey. What is your biggest struggle right now growing your business? Allison's given the money sign. You can't all see this listening, but... (laughs) It's, it's, well, it's, it's, so that was like, there has been, there's, you know, and I will say this because both of you are at RBC. I'm like, I could not find a female financial advisor. 
um, in the banks that I went to, I didn't actually go to RBC, but now I, in this conversation probably should have, but I found it very difficult to, can you, do you know what it's like to try and explain a concept that is moms at work? <laughs> They're like, so you do what? <laughs> and I was like, I changed the world, mic drop. Um, but that doesn't translate into, so they're like, even applying, like, I didn't want to get a loan. I didn't want to to do those things. I wanted to just, I, I couldn't actually do that. I, I worked my entire way through university. I worked like, I've always worked two jobs. Now I've worked three, but I think that was the biggest um it was hard for me as a new business, like Janelle said, I'm like, incorporate, don't incorporate. What do you do? How do you do it? And it was sort of like, here's a brochure. So there's lots of little like entities, but it was hard to get that sort of information without setting up a meeting and having to sit through the sales pitch and then having to try and explain my business as to what it was and and what, how that would make money. And I, I found it all a bit um, hard to... To, to be met with all those obstacles. Whereas I think if I had met with someone who also had small children, also had small, like whatever, they would have like got, like we wouldn't have had to have a lot of conversation. And we probably could have talked about a lot of other things about what I could do with my money. Cause the assumption was that I was coming in there and had no money, had a new business, like, and I wasn't really listened to. So that was, that was hard for me. Um, but I think access to money has been, even from corporate foundations or whatever, has just been incredibly disappointing because it's the same companies or the same nonprofits that get all the money. And as an advocacy education, I have not seen the change come out of them. Like I have no, I cannot point to one of those things and been like, oh yes, you did a great thing with that money. And that has affected me or Janelle personally. If you were to, uh, you know, get the loan you needed, the money you needed, I imagine that would be used to employ other women to help you grow and, and help even more women. Am I correct in that assumption? So I have four people on my team now. Three of them have had career breaks longer than three years. All of them work part-time. All of them work remotely. Not once have I ever said to one of them during COVID, um, keep your baby quiet, keep your whatever. I am like, we are there for each other. Uh, I'm like, I pay them. They're off on Christmas. They're like, they have all of the things that they need. And I was like, we can do this differently. We check in once a month and I'm like, what else do you want to be doing? These are smart, capable, highly motivated women that could not get a job in corporate because they had a gap on their resume. And I was like, okay, all right. It is going to go right back into the same thing Janelle said. I'm like, we just keep supporting other people and supporting other organizations and supporting like everything we do has knock-on effects, right? Like everything we do helps other people, helps other women, helps other families. Janelle, I'm going to ask you the same question. If, if the money you needed was there today, where, what would this do for your business? Um, honestly, I can see my business growing um, to you know, rival the Deloitte's and the PricewaterhouseCoopers of the world. That's kind of what I envision. Um, but you know, it's really difficult if you don't have uh, angel investors and funders. And, and like Allison, I wasn't interested in loans. Um, so it's like, how do you scale, right? So if I could scale right now and have all the staff and have the, the glossy, you know, slick Bay Street style office and all of that, sure, I would. But, you know, is, is, a, is a bank or an institution going to invest in me or believe in me to that extent that I could rival the Deloitte's and the PwC's of the world, right? That's what it really boils down to. And when you're a new business, a year in the making, it, you know, to get that type of capital behind you, it's just, um, 
it's really, really difficult. Um, they're looking at your credit. They're looking at your your personal credit. You're lo- they're looking at your personal assets to say, okay, well, how can you back this loan? I'm not interested in backing the loan with my personal home. That's the precise reason I incorporated. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's kind of what where we're met. And you know, my credit's good, but if I'm a historically marginalized person of color with horrible credit who starts a business, like what would be my fate? You know, I can get a credit card and build the the credit up over time um, and the trust of an, an a large institution over time. But how long is it going to take me to scale and grow? That's another issue, right? Um, so I think there has to be there has to be just systemic changes overall in just the ways in which women are supported to to start their businesses. So Aaron and Aaron, I believe this is where you're going to jump in with some advice and tips here. Anything? I'm going to totally put you on the spot. Well, so I like to go back to something Allison said about gap in the resume. And um, so if I could use my sort of, what do you want to call it, traditional family life situation where, you know, there's a mom and a dad and now we've got three sons. When I came back to work after my mat, first mat leave, we made, we were privileged enough to be able to make the choice that my husband stayed home for a year. He asked his employer, he was kind of a pioneer. It was only 12 years ago, but he asked his employer, can I take a, an unpaid leave of absence uh, to stay home with my kid for a year? And, and if the answer was going to be no, it was, we were going to figure it out. But uh, he had the courage to ask and they said, sure. And he was given uh, you know, assurance that he was going to come back to a job after a year. Um, and so where am I going with this? Back to, I think, Janelle's point around systemic and Allison's point around how resumes are viewed for women, maybe versus men. Um, One of the things that I try to do with my team, which is largely made up of young guys, is continue to encourage and embrace their role in child rearing and part of the family and um, enabling their working wives, in this case, in the case of maybe a traditional relationship or whatever, um, to enable them to have the, the women to have more time to apply to their career if that's what they choose to do and make it okay for the guy to not do the what we expect a guy to do, work the 80-hour work week or whatever. So I don't know where this fits into the conversation. I think it's just, it's one of the things that um, when I think about systemic, I think about my husband's experience of being the only dad at, you know, baby Picasso and then having the, the guys comment on how's it going, Mr. Mom. And those are the, the, some of the things we have to shut down so that more women like us can be successful. And I think it starts with conversations like this and it, it I don't know, nobody's nodding. So I must be out in left field. Actually, I don't think you are because I think, you know, um, one of the things that I've seen Allison talk a lot about is, you know, Eve Rodsky's book, Fair Play, um, which is which is an excellent example of, of, yes, this conversation does need to include the men as well, right? So, I think that's an excellent point. But as far as growing their business, any tips and advice on where what they should do to, you know, uh, I'm going to assume you're going to say, come into RBC and talk to me, but um, <laughs> what are the tips you would give anybody listening to a broader audience right now uh, when those grants are, aren't available, when perhaps their credit rating is not the greatest? Um, what, what could you offer an advice that, for those, those things? Um, I'm, I'm happy to take that. So my particular team, we work with um, our small business clients. And so, you know, my advice to those individuals who are looking for support 
from a bank is, is, is exactly that. Like come in the door, let us sit down and talk to you. We have some fantastic advisors that have, that have great experience, that have great um, knowledge and advice to share with our new business clients on what, from an, a financial institution standpoint, what we can do to support your growth. Um, and that's really all it takes. And, and that allows us to, is to start that relationship and help grow and be there every step of the way to provide you uh, different a different lens um, to your business to to give you that advice that you need in order to to sort of like meet your financial goals as it relates to your business. So the first step would be to go in and find an institution that is going to work with you. And um, something that I share with my team, it's almost like dating, like try a few out. Um, you know, we all offer loans, we all offer bank accounts, but at the end of the day, it's who you're dealing with in the relationship that you have. So Allison, you mentioned, you know, you just never felt like connected to anyone because maybe they couldn't relate. And I think that goes a long way um, with what, like, I think at Royal Bank, what we do differently is we want that relationship. Like we're here for advice to support you. And it's all about the relationship. So, you know, go in, try a few institutions um, and make sure you, the person that you're dealing with is someone that you can truly talk openly and freely about uh, and with and share your ideas. So I'm going to jump in here with like, you know, in terms of like growing our business, I want to make like both Janelle and I both worked in corporate. And what I find is like female business owners, it didn't work for them. So it wasn't, I had a child at sick kids. I do not have, I did not have uh, I had, was taking care of my father-in-law and my mother-in-law and I'm like, work didn't work. So, so I was put in the situation to work for myself because I could not make it work. So you're dealing mostly like as female business owners from every, almost every single one of them that I've met, they, the system wasn't working for them. So now in Moms at Work, we tend to have 10,000 women, mostly who are feeling very personally attacked that they cannot make it work something's wrong with them because they cannot make this work. And I'm sitting here going, this system was not designed for you. It was designed for people who have a partner at home and who have options and whatever. And for the majority, like 85% of businesses are smaller, medium-sized businesses. So those businesses don't tend to have as much flexibility as an HR perspective. I know that. Um, so then how do we know that how do we support these businesses where the system didn't work is my question back to sort of like the, as a general question, not to RBC specifically, but knowing that these people have likely been traumatized by that system. How do we support them so that like it's, it's easier that like there's more doors open because literally Janelle and I both, I'm like, we fight every day just to get the things that are given to other people. Right. That wasn't actually going anywhere, but I see this, I see this trend with female run businesses all the time that they're doing this because they could not make it work anywhere else. And it's not because I want to be Elon Musk or I want to be a, you know, I, like that's not what I wanted. I just needed to be able to make my kids specialist appointments. That was what drove me. I needed to be at sick kids. And you know what happens when you get a sick kids appointment with a, like an interior medicine person, you go. This is such a huge conversation. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours and hours. We're not going to. Um, but, and all of this is to say, this is actually kind of perfect. 
uh, because Allison needs to jump off to go pick her kids up at school. I do. And and so yes, we're going to let her go because I think that's actually perfect. This fits so perfectly into this entire discussion. Allison, um, we're going to let you just jump off. We're going to finish the podcast without you. But do you have anything you'd like to say, sort of a mic drop moment on your way out the door to pick up your kids? No, I think that it's just that these conversations are important. And I think that it's important also like to reflect to your audience that, you know, like RBC is here listening and, you know, like with other women who have children and like, this is not some like magic giant corporation where like people are not people. Um, and to what first Aaron said, sorry, you're both Aaron's <laughs> you're both Aaron's, is that it is about fit. And, and as I've grown my business, I really need someone who understands my business and who is willing to like talk me through some of these things, because guess what? the first time I'm doing a lot of this and for my person at my bank, I'm like, so <laughs> payroll. <laughs> now what does that look like? So uh, yeah, he's earning, he's earning his value <laughs> in helping me walk through those. Um, but thank you for the opportunity. Um, and I am, I'm going to go pick up my children. So have fun. Thanks, Allison. Ready to take control of your future? Realize your business idea with RBC through digital-first solutions, advice, and services that go beyond banking. They can help you start and grow your business. Get started with RBC. RBC. Ideas happen here. Learn more at rbc.com slash beyondbanking. So Aaron and Aaron, just quickly, because I, I... I do agree with what Allison just said, that these are the conversations that affect change. And since you're in your time with RBC, um, there's a lot that's happened in the last couple of years when it comes to dealing with things systemically, dealing with things in regards to women. Are you seeing these changes happen within your corporation? Because like Allison said, this is such a great point. RBC is, yes, it's a corporation made up of people who are having all the same struggles. I'd love to jump in on this one. And and I have um, what I think is a really kind of cool, like full circle moment here is my mom, who was a longtime RBC employee, uh, was one of the first to pioneer a job share opportunity within the organization. And I remember probably being 10 or 12 years old. And that was a huge step for her. And and part of her desire was so she could spend more time with my brother and I, because my dad was the one working, he traveled. And so I remember when she approached the bank, it was like, oh, wow, like this is, you know, how will we make this work? And you know what, they were, they embraced it. And from then on, we would hear and see multiple job shares and mostly among women, but that have provided the flexibility to be able to still work and work full time and contribute, but also spend time in the home and with the family or other obligations. And so when I think back at that time, and that would have been, you know, early 90s, like that was unheard of. It was either you don't work or you work. And, you know, she really blazed a trail within the organization. And, and I look at some of the the activities that the bank has done and especially through COVID, just the flexibility, again, of this organization of 80,000 plus employees to say, we trust you, you do what you need to do to get your job done. We don't care if there's a baby crying in the back. We don't care if there's a dog barking. Like this is normal life. And I think what it has done is allowed everyone to look at each other in, in a more human way. Like we are all people at the end of the day, we all have lives, 
you know, we're all working through this together. Um, and, and I feel like the bank has been very, very supportive of all its employees in, in all different roles right across the organization. Just to add, I think one of the things that I have witnessed and been part of in recent years is a really deliberate focus when it comes to recruiting. Um, in our part of the world, we recruit with multiple leaders at the table and we have been really pausing and asking ourselves, are we representing the people that we want to recruit? Do we have a person of color on this panel? Do we have a, per- a newcomer to Canada on this panel? Do we have somebody with an d- Indigenous experience and background on this panel? Because these are the people we need in our organization to fuel the next uh, number of years. So is it perfect? No. Are we having the conversations? Yes. Are we asking thoughtful questions? I believe so. Um, absolutely. There's lots to be done, but um, I-, I feel really good about the diversity and inclusion effort an investment that's been made at RBC and um, privileged to be part of the journey. Janelle, you are working with corporations and people helping them to work on their diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, programs within their own companies. So what's the first thing you sort of look for when you go in and work with, with a business? Honestly, one of the first things you look for are the things you're not actually even looking for. It's just what do you see? Like you tend to see um, organizations that are not representative of society, right? So normally, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on a plan to address that for them to through recruitment, through um, whatever strategies um, I think they need for retention or promotion or advancement. Um, how is it that they can ensure that their organization's representative? Um, and then after that, you know, I'm looking at whole strategies, right? Do they have a strategy to kind of really bake equity, diversity, and inclusion into everything that they're doing? Marketing, communications, how, you know, what do staff know? What do staff not know? How are their policies and programs? And um, it really depends on the organization. But generally, you know, you're looking at procurement policies and practices. You're looking at human resources policies and practices um, and how inclusive they are or aren't. And and what can we do to, to just transform the place from the ground up? And I think any business, most businesses would say, the first thing they're going to say is, uh, how does this affect my bottom line? And you talked about this actually in sort of one of the pr- documents we sent over sort of this pre-interview. You had said that this diversity, equity, and inclusion is good for business. So just quickly, as we wrap this up, if you could explain how is this good for business to do this? How does this make your bottom line better? Sure. The business case for diversity and inclusion is um, well known. It helps organizations to innovate better when you have diverse teams. Um, You're going to have less conflicts among your staff. You're going to have more more people innovating, helping to make decisions. You're going to be able to support your stakeholders um, to a greater uh, capacity. Your clients, if they're abroad or wherever they are in the world, you're going to be able to communicate with them. If you've got diverse perspectives and people who can speak a multitude of languages in-house, you're just going to be able to um, have less complaints, internal complaints of discrimination and harassment, less legal or, you know, litigation challenges. I mean, there's the cost benefits um, are completely there. I think everyone kind of knows that now. And I think that's the reason why we're seeing that this industry's booming in such a way. Um, and so it's another reason why organizations like RBC should be working with people like myself, because the, organize, the, the, the field is just totally booming precisely because um, we benefit um, organizations in such a way. And, and we benefit communities, really. 
Um, when you can make an impact as an organization on your community, because you can identify with the people in the community, um, it's only going to be more profitable for your, your endeavor. Aaron and Aaron, we're going to close this out. Do you have any thoughts to add to that? I think I would just say, you know, congrats to Janelle and Allison. Um, in the roles that, that Aaron and I have right now, we're so privileged to work with, I think what one of you said, you, you really are the heart and the soul of the, the Canadian economy. And uh, we know because we're a regulated industry, we can't always make magic happen for, for startup businesses or new entrepreneurs. But I think um, because of conversations like this, we're getting better at trying to, uh, as we already talked about, match people with other humans that can have great conversations to help you with your business evolution and think about uh, you know, the evolution of your business beyond traditional banking. And we're investing in all kinds of ways with partnerships like organizations like yours, Janelle. And, you know, there's so many ways we can be creative and innovative in ways that maybe weren't traditional banking. Um, and so it's, it starts with conversations like this and who knows where it might go with a bit of creativity and internal fortitude and passion. Uh, so thanks, Candice, for a great conversation today. And, and Janelle, congrats and keep going. And Allison, you too. We believe in you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It really is meaningful to hear from other women uh, in the industry uh, to kind of give us that word of encouragement. And uh, certainly it, it won't help. Uh, it won't hurt to um, for us to have you know established this relationship through this conversation. So thank you, Candice, for creating this forum for both Allison and myself to have fantastic advisors like the two Aaron's on the call um, that we could reach out to and connect with if we need to going forward. So thanks again. I feel certain uh, that these conversations are going to continue behind my back after this podcast is over. Uh, just watching the interaction on it has been, it's been thrilling and I knew this was going to happen. So it's why I was so happy to do this podcast with all four of you, uh, because I think there's such great things that are going to come out of this for everybody. Uh, so I want to thank you all for joining me today. Uh, it was a great conversation and we're going to have you back again. Maybe next year we'll redo this and see where we are a year, a year from now. Would love that. Okay. Amazing. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much, ladies. Have a great day. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.